Hey friends, welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you as we continue Couples Month. The music in the background is from our good buddy, Mr. Torin Wells. Make sure you grab a copy of his new album, Citizen of Heaven. Hey, I just want to remind you that next week I'm headed out on tour, the Love Better tour with Mike Grayson and Cheryl Stark from Crosspoint Music and Jonathan Pecluda. It is going to be such a great couple of weeks. Make sure you go to CompassionLive.com and look for the Love Better Tour. And if you are anywhere near Fredericktown, Missouri, Benton, Arkansas, Austin, Texas, Houston, Texas, Carmel, Indiana, Florence, Alabama, Smyrna, Georgia, or Chattanooga, Tennessee, I hope you will join us. Again, CompassionLive.com for more information about the Love Better Tour. And I just want to take a quick second and thank today's podcast sponsor, Your Enneagram Coach. As y'all know, we love talking about the Enneagram around here. And Your Enneagram Coach, Beth McCord, is a good friend of the pod. Remember, she was our expert for each episode of Ennea Summer 2019, giving us an overview of all nine types and the core motivations that drive them. So coming up February 24th through 28th, registration for Beth's signature online course, Become an Enneagram Coach, opens. This is a deep dive into the gospel-centered Enneagram and how to use it to coach others. As I've said many times, the Enneagram is a great tool, but it's the gospel that brings the transformation. So whether you want to become a full-time Enneagram coach or do it as a side hustle, or if you just want to incorporate this tool into your ministry or mental health work, The Become an Enneagram Coach course will help train and equip you because learning about types is just the first layer of the Enneagram. There are so many resources to learn about this powerful tool, but very few credible places that teach you about using it for tangible and lasting transformation. The course is going to include a lifetime access to 35 training videos with Beth that teaches you everything you need to know and how to confidently coach others towards their best path. So you get insightful interviews with members of Beth's team and access to a private coaching Facebook group. So starting Monday the 24th, Beth will be hosting free webinars to give you a chance to learn more and ask questions and see if this is the next step on your personal and professional journey. So this course is only open three times a year, so don't miss the opportunity. And you guys get a great discount. They're being very kind to my friends. Just use the code that sounds fun at checkout to get $200 off the course. So you're going to go to yourenneagramcoach.com slash B-E-C, like Become an Enneagram Coach, B-E-C. And again, use the code that sounds fun at checkout to get $200 off. Today on the show, you guys, I'm just, I'm just beside myself about this interview. I think you're going to love it. So Addison Bevere had a new book come out in January called Saints. And I just said to his people when they reached out, yeah, we'd love to have Addison. I love the Beveres. I think the world of them. Just holler next time he's in Nashville. And so when he came through Nashville, his wife, Juliana, was with him. And I said, hey, just come and sit in the studio with us. We'd love to have you, whatever. And then I just couldn't resist having her on the show. And it ended up being perfect for Couples Month. Y'all are going to absolutely love them. I'm such a fan of Addison and Juliana Bevere and his new book, Saint. So here is my conversation with our surprise couple of Couples Month, Addison and Juliana Bevere. Okay, full disclosure. (laughs) Full disclosure. I didn't know who you were. Great. Okay. Fine. So that's so, how friendship works. Right. The first time okay. you meet's the first time you meet. So I come out and to the office, I'm like, man, I just got off the phone with Christina and she's really excited because Annie F. Downs wants to have me on her podcast. Uh-huh. You would have thought I was, I mean, I like the most amazing thing ever <laughs> was being announced to the office. All of the women came running. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? So I was like, 
oh yeah like, who yeah. is this girl like, <laughs> yeah and uh and so then i got your book and read your book yeah and, Oh my goodness! You're really kind. I'm a, so I'm a fan now. Oh, so I don't know if I need to go outside. No, Do I need to go outside? No, Am I allowed to be in no, here? No, you're allowed to be in here. <laughs> no, we love having people so, in the studio. So you are so welcome. So here. have you ever read anything by Anne Lamont? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you remind me of a just listen less vulgar. Uh-huh, thank you. Okay, <laughs> less vulgar. How can I describe it? version of Anne Lamont? I'll Man, just say it like that. That is very kind. Yeah. Addison, you just showed up saying the You're nicest the... stuff anyone's ever said. Thank really? you. Okay. Well, my gosh. Yeah, wow. I'll take go. all those compliments. Thank you. That's You're very welcome. kind. And You're thank welcome. you for making time to be on the show. Yeah, it's a huge honor. I love that you sat down and said, So tell me about why you want Saints on that sounds fun. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I think Saints is fun. Yeah. But I mean, at it's first glance, it's an incredible book. Oh, thank we you. need to back up and talk about some other things. Okay. Do you know the story about me and your brother, Alec? Alec, is that right? Yeah. Do you no, know about- I didn't even know you knew Alex. Yes, I know you your know people. Alex. Wow. We were all at the same conference. That's why I thought you were I'm li- there. I'm a little scared because oh, no, Alex it's not is one such of those. a wild card. Yes, yes, yes. No, don't okay. be afraid. It's a very funny story. Your mom and I speak at the same conferences every now and yes. again. And we were at the same conference and a couple of y'all were working the table, a couple of the sons. Okay. He was one of them. He, we're leaving that day. We're all going to the airport at the same time, but we're in different cars. He forgets his watch at the conference. That's definitely Alex. Yeah. <laughs> I, my plane is later than theirs. I have to go back through security. I don't have to. I choose to. Yeah. He's a friend. I go back through security, get his watch from some person who drove it from the conference. I run onto his plane and give him back his How watch. How have I not heard this story? Isn't that insane? He like meets me at the entrance of the plane and wow. the people are like, you can't. And I was like, he just needs his watch. <laughs> Oh my gosh! How so long ago was this? I have a very this? strong Bevere story in my wow, life. Wow, that I know. is. That's very. This strong. was seventeen or eighteen. We were in Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah, but it wasn't you at yeah, the table. So I know exactly what watch it was then. Yeah. Oh, do you? Oh yeah. He's are in y'all love with that, that watchy watch. people? Oh no, I'm not. No, but he is. Like, okay. He, was it the black, like kind of thicker watch? I think it might. Yeah. Have been. He's, yeah. He's That's obsessed impressive. with that. So. How many of y'all are there total, boys? There's four of us. Okay. Where are you on the stack? I am the oldest. Oh, I'm the oldest too. It's the yeah. worst, right? The worst and the best. Tell me why. Give me one reason for each. Well, it's the worst because it seems like everyone um, expects more of you. Yeah. And you're held to this standard that just doesn't seem to be applied to everyone else. But yeah. it's, also, it's also the best because of that. Ah, interesting. So, yeah. yeah. I kind of always hated that I was expected to do things first. Yeah. Like, what if I just want to take a nap? What if I don't want to go first? <laughs> what if I don't, you know? And my high school curfew was like, 5 p.m. and neither right. of my sisters had any curfew. Exactly. Felt like exactly. I was like, I had to be home so early. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. What's the age difference of y'all? Pretty much all two to three years apart. Okay. Yeah. Um, does everyone work for your parents? Right now, uh-huh. at this moment, everyone at this does. Moment. Yeah. But it hasn't always I was like, been. Like, is it like about that. to change tomorrow? So it's like, <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, maybe in the near future. But it seems like everything has converged. Yeah. And we're all working together right now. So in the last, uh, in December, we had a couple, and actually in January, we had some parents on who were raising kids in the church, like pastors and, and whose kids have, most of them are teenagers or plus and are, and still love the church. And so I'm asking the parents, what did y'all do? Because so many of my friends are raising kids. They want to know how to do this well. What did your parents do that made you want to still be near them and near God as a grown married man, dad guy? Yeah, two things. I'm going to go with two things. Okay. 
First thing is they were the same people at home that they were everywhere else. Like really? if you don't do that as a parent, your kids are in trouble. Yeah. So they were the same, whether they were out there speaking, writing in the public's eye, or if they were home, they were mm. the same people. The other thing is they apologized a ton. Really? Apologized a ton. Yeah. And I think humility. To each other? To each or other, to, to us. Humility creates safety. And that's Ooh, what somebody's writing that on Twitter what, right now. That's what they Humility did so safety. well. So when they would make mistakes, they weren't like, "Hey, we're the parents; we can do whatever we want." Yeah. They would come to us and be like, "Hey, we're so sorry. Yeah. Like, I'm so sorry I was harsh. I'm so sorry I didn't believe the best. I'm so sorry I didn't take the time to understand what you were going through." They would do that. They would create a safe place for us, and so all of us are really comfortable apologizing. In mm-hmm. fact, when I got married, my wife thought I wasn't sincere because I would apologize so quickly. Oh, wow. Because in her family, it was like, it was a war. Yeah. Like, apologizing was a bad thing. You didn't yeah. want to ever apologize. But in my family, it's like, hey, the moment that you see it differently is the moment you go and begin that journey of reconciliation. Wow. So okay, that was so huge. somebody listening has a six-year-old, and they sometimes don't feel like they're the same person at home that they are on a stage yeah. or at work or at a restaurant. Yep. At a restaurant, they say, they smile and they're happy, and at home, they're not. Yeah. How did they, starting today, they can reconcile that. How Absolutely. do you start reconciling that? Again, it's apologizing. Because you have to do it as a dad, too, you, right? Oh, yeah. How I many mean, do y'all have? We have four. Oh, you just repeated the yes, system. We did. Well two, done. Two, two boys, two girls. <laughs> okay. Kept it going. And that's the thing. Like We're not we're not the same person every single moment in time. Like, right. It's not. But what, but what makes a lot of room for grace, what makes a lot of room for hope is, is what? Humility. Mm-hmm. Being willing to be like, hey, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. This wasn't consistent with the person I want to be, who I've communicated to that I want you to be. Mm-hmm. And it just it just creates a safety. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. That is, I don't know that I've ever thought that sentence, humility creates safety. That is really true. Well, if you think about it, Scripture says in James 4 and 1 Peter 5 that God gives grace to the humble, mm-hmm. but he opposes the proud. Yeah. So grace, which is that ability to go places we couldn't otherwise go, to reconcile things that we couldn't otherwise reconcile, comes from what? Humility. Right. And we all need grace in relationship, especially when you're parenting small children, mm-hmm. because they're sponges. Yeah. How old are you? 10, 8, 5, and 3. Okay. We're, boy, tell me boy, girl, boy, set. girl, girl, boy. Okay, so boys on the end, sandwich, yeah. sandwich with boys. Yeah. How, what is it like raising girls? I love it. Do you? Oh my goodness, I love it because I grew up with all boys. Yeah, totally. So when Sophia came into the mix, it was like, whoa, this yeah. is different. This is unlike anything I've ever experienced. But I love my little girls. They're fierce, like they're yeah. fierce little girls, and um, I love that about them. They love fiercely. They're just, they're just beautiful, and it's so different than boys. But they're strong. Yeah, and that's what that's what I love about my little girls. How do you figure out how to raise them differently, the boys uh, and the trial girls? Trial and error. Really, I mean, people need to hear that. <laughs> yeah, that, trial that and you're error. Figuring it out as you go. Absolutely. And again, yeah. going back to the whole idea of humility, like it's the humble people who recognize, hey, I didn't get this right the first time. Mm-hmm. Let's take another look at it. Mm-hmm. You keep taking a look at it. You keep changing. You keep adapting mm-hmm. as a parent. And I think there's this uh, this idea that when you become a parent or when you become a spouse or whatever it is, is like you have to do things perfectly. Yeah. Like you have to get to this point in your life where you're ready to do that thing. Mm-hmm. But with anything in life, you get through it by moving through imperfections. Like that's just how it works. That's yeah. how you grow. That's that's the process of perfection is journeying through imperfections. There's a Greek word. It's teleos. It's so beautiful. It's It describes the process of maturation or perfection, and it only happens through a process. It's not a checklist. Right. It's not a magical formula. It only happens through a process. And that's so true with raising kids. Yeah, and being like a person. 
It's just true. It's just true about being a human. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, you just have to be okay with the process. Yes. I have a plant in my house that I'm dying for it to bloom. It feels like it grew. It's an amaryllis. I feel like it grew really fast, but it won't bloom. Yeah. And I keep every day, I'm like, why are you still not doing this? And I'm like, Annie, there is things going on you cannot see. Yeah. And you don't get to get impatient. You're like so thrilled when the stalk is growing tall, and then you're a monster when it won't bloom. Yeah. But we just... We have to trust the process all the time. Yes. Tell me your Enneagram number. Let's see if you can guess. No, that's terrible. I, other people aren't supposed to identify you. <laughs> I mean. I'm a one. You're a, a one. one. One wing nine. And what's your wife? Four. Oh, four wing five. A one and a four. Okay. So, yeah, you're so definitely So when, when I'm really healthy, people that. think I'm a seven. Yeah, that's exactly right. It does. Right. Like yeah. I've had people be like, you're what? You're a one? No, you're a seven. I'm like, yes. Yes. And when I'm really <laughs> unhealthy, they think I'm a one. Sorry. <laughs> My friend Luke, this pastor buddy of mine, everybody knows Luke Norsworthy. Uh, one time he asked his staff what he was, and they all thought he was a one, and he's a seven. And he was like, that tells me something about what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really interesting for you to talk about humility and process as an Enneagram one. Our friends who heard the Ennea Summer Series with Lee and Jamie, we did a whole series on okay. the Enneagram, and we had a whole show with just ones. I mean, ones need systems, and ones thrive on things going right. How have you taught yourself that it's okay to be in process? I've learned the beauty of chaos as a one. Okay. So you have to, like, we all have this illusion of order. Yeah, and yeah, ones, yeah, I do. And ones hold on to it more than any other number, generally uh-huh. speaking. And so for me, learning the beauty of chaos and how that leads to a greater form of order. So because The beauty of ones, chaos and how it leads to a greater form of order. It, Keep going. Because it deconstructs those illusions of order that I have. Yeah. And ones are are driven by this idea. There's more, yeah. right? Even the subtitle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The subtitle. <laughs> like, becoming there's more, more than Christians. There's something yeah. more, and yeah. it drives us crazy. Like yeah. there's something more. We need to pursue it. We need to chase it. But so often we do that from our own idea of comfort, from our own idea of security, mm. from our own notion of control. And I've learned that I have to embrace the chaos to get to that something more. Like yeah. I can't get to that something more by going through my little comfort zone. Yeah. I just can't do it. Yeah. And so, does it still make you feel terrible? Oh, to absolutely. Be okay, great. I just oh. need us all to hear. Oh, that. yeah. Because I Awful. hate it too, but I re- I hate process, but I recognize. If you liked it, it wouldn't be a process. That's right. I had someone once tell me, like, I love the wilderness seasons of life. I said, you're full of it. Yeah, that's like, right. You're, that's like, right. You are so full of it. You're incredibly immature yes, like, or you're full of it. You yeah. love what they do, and yeah. that's great. We yeah. can identify there, but yeah. no one likes it. Otherwise, it yeah. wouldn't be a wilderness. Yeah, that's right. And there is just something about the maturing process of being a person yeah. says, I recognize this doesn't feel good, but that actually doesn't matter. Yeah. What matters is who it's making me. Yeah. And so in those situations where I, I'm the same, I would like order and I would like clarity and I would like everything to make sense. And in my 20s, it spun me out. In my 30s, it's taught me, we'll just wait and see what happens. Yeah. There's something coming of this. Yeah. Before kids, did you get this, or was this a product of having four oh people in your life yeah. that are uh, small and re- need you all the time? I would say I started to get it, but I really yeah. didn't get it before kids. Yeah. But kids just that threw me into it. I mean, yeah, because that's just, like so many shoes in your house. Oh yeah, like I used just to come everywhere. in and I would see the house and I'd be like, Ugh, I can't <laughs> do this. Yeah. I would need to go hide in a dark place. Like, yeah. it was it was really hard for me. Now, for the most part, I can walk into the house. And it can be chaotic. And I'm like, so what okay. did you say to your wife, Julie, who's here? Oh, man. What did you say to her those days when when it would make you feel panic? Or you would come home and be like, this isn't, 
not this isn't working for yeah. me. I don't think maybe you had one of those days, but what do you, what do you communicate to your partner yeah. when you're feeling that? Like when when I did it well or when I did it poorly? Yes. <laughs> yes, both. Poorly, I would come home and I would be like, I would just immediately dive into it and be like, hey, this needs to be done. That needs to be done. When I come home and it's like this, this is what it does to me. Yeah. It was just awful. I mean, it just, that didn't help at all. What helped, and then she told me basically, she said, hey, if this is really that important to you, why don't you just go around and do those things? I've been navigating the chaos all oh, day, <laughs> which, was, which, was really, you know, which, which was really good for me to hear. I needed to hear yeah, it yeah. because I got to the point anywhere I realized that when things internally, when they felt chaotic, I would want a higher degree of control in my external life. Yes. So I would come home, which is my place of safety, my wife, my kids. I would come home and I would want everything perfect yeah because that was my one safe place everything else in my world felt like it was falling apart yeah. that was my one safe place yeah and so when i learned that language like okay when i have a high need for order it means something's going on inside of me that's not right mm, right and so it became a trigger for me and so when i felt that i would immediately counteract it with okay what's really going on yeah. like this isn't about shoes being all over the floor this isn't about dishes not being clean mm -hmm. there's something else going on inside of me and that helped mm -hmm. me get to a place of just quietness where i'm like all right what is it? Because yeah. I am introverted. It's like, so what is it? What's actually going on inside of you? Let's let's address that. And then you can love your family. You can serve your family the way you're supposed to. Yeah. I'm making you hop on the microphone even yeah. though you were just visiting. The whole month of February that we just finished was couples. So y'all are just continuing for yeah. us oh, in some coupledom. So he's saying what he felt when he was getting home. Will you say your experience being home? And then he would walk in and say... Now, will you also put the shoes in the basket? Completely. Well, and I feel like I have to give you a bit of a backstory of us. Okay. Because we laid eyes on each other for the first time when I was 17. We met when I was 18, and then we got married when I was 19. Wait, how'd you lay eyes on him? I, I was visiting I'm Colorado. Really so I'm from okay. South Texas, okay. and my sister was doing a Bible school program up in Colorado Springs, and there were some mutual friends, and... I was just completely in the world. Yeah. And they were like, let's introduce her to a Christian guy. Maybe okay. she'll get her life on yeah, track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which worked eventually, but not right away. Um, so it's a missionary dating situation. Mm -hmm. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was unintentional. I didn't realize, I didn't realize how uh, I was how pretty deceptive. You didn't realize how unchristian she was. <laughs> you thought she's cute and she's kind of Christian. Okay. Pretty much. <laughs> So we got married really young. Yeah. I was 19. He was 21. 22. 22. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> there's, my, there's my oneness coming out. That's right. And we got pregnant two months after we got married. Oh, oh. so your whole life changed in like a minute and a half. A minute. And, I mean, yeah. I got saved. I got a real relationship with Holy Spirit, married and pregnant. Very close. Yeah. And then we had our second. And you're also only 19. I'm only 19. Yeah. And <laughs> a bit of a mess. And so then we had our second, even just 17 months after we had our first. Okay. So we just dove right in. So for me, in those situations when it would be like, all I would hear is, you're not enough. Yeah. You're not enough. You're not enough. And I that was the narrative that was already so constant in my mind. Yeah. Because also, like... Coming into a ministry family, I didn't even know ministry families existed. Sure. Like, yeah. I thought there was pastors of local churches. I thought that was yeah. the Christian realm. Yeah. So even that, it was just this insane pressure to play a part, to be a person. So when he, when my husband, my partner, when he would, he could have said anything that was even slightly like, hey, this, this isn't enough. And it just 
I mean, it was yeah. explosive, Annie, yeah. to be completely yeah. honest. We had some explosive first few years. Yeah. And you're also 21 and you've yes. been out of your parents' house for four years. And But even people who get married at 41, yeah. can it, whatever narrative is in your head, this is what I've heard. I'm the least married here. But what I've heard is that David Nasser, do y'all know David Nasser from, he works at Liberty University, but I heard Na- Nasser say a couple of days ago, my spouse can only bring out what's already in me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can't bring out something that doesn't already live in me. That's so, so you good. already had that narrative from your history yeah. and, and having this... 22 year old man come home from work and say it to you. Yeah. Exploded. Yeah. Yeah. So, how did you, what did you communicate back to him in those days? I mean, he told us the words you said, but when did you have the courage to say that? I've always felt extreme like freedom in our relationship. It was one reason why we did get married so quickly because humility added, creates safety. Well, and he treated me like no one had ever treated me. Yeah. Like, the world is available to you. Yeah. And so I felt freedom to be so messy yeah. and so ugly. And I was, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. So it, I would just let it out. And, and in the most unreasonable ways where it really was like, this is what you're doing. This is how you're making me feel. Just zero ownership at that point in my life is where I was coming from. But really, he was gracious enough to kind of sort through it with me. Yeah. Like, this is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Let's get to what's actually going on. So a wife who's listening or a husband who's listening and the roles yeah. are reversed uh, and the wife is the one who comes home and mm-hmm. the husband's the one who stays home. So mm-hmm. to the partner who's at home, yeah. how do you have that first conversation of like, what you're saying to me is is too much. If yeah. you are you don't you don't know what you're triggering me. How do you when everybody's busy and the kids are running around and by the time they're down at 7:30 you have nothing left anyway. Yeah. yeah. How do you have that conversation? Well, and this may be natural. I've just never done it. So you may be like, "Annie, you just explode and that's how it happens." No. <laughs> that's no. that's how it happens eventually. Yeah. You don't eventually. have the conversation. It does it takes a while to get there though. But for us, it was I also had to hear Addison. Like we were just raised very differently. And that's one of the things when you get married, there's this like you were raised with these systems and this organization and like this is the standard where you keep your home, where mm-hmm. you keep your space. Mm-hmm. And this is how I was raised. I mean, I'm five of six children basically raised by a single mom. Oh, wow. So it was like if we were all alive, it was a yeah. huge win. Yeah, that's right. And So we had very different standards going into married life. So for me, it was a lot of growth. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't just this is how I am, take it or leave it. I do better even as a four. So as a four, I go to one in health. Yeah. So the best times in our relationship is when we have had systems, when we have had things in place. It's like we love the chaos, Mm -hmm. but – even within the chaos, you have to have the systems. Yeah. Children. Yeah. Even kids. Like we have been really intentional to schedule our kids because you come out of your mother wanting security, wanting yes. safety. And yeah. a lot of that comes from a schedule, from mm-hmm. a system that you can – you can. Uh, I heard once an analogy of it like a rubber band. Mm-hmm. Once you establish the rubber band, it can stretch. Oh, It brilliant. can change. Yeah. You can be spontaneous, which I love. Like I thrive in spontaneity. This trip to Nashville yeah. <laughs> was totally spontaneous. But you have to have the the established rubber band. Yeah. And that that for us has been our systems. It's really simple. It's really boring. But and I ran from it because yeah. of that. Yeah. 
but then I have found how helpful it yeah. is. Yeah. Okay, Addison, what she just said, yeah. the rubber band is brilliant. I think about it. One of the things I think about my mom is she runs the dishwasher every night mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she empties it every morning. We do the same thing. Yeah. And so there's just <laughs> as like a, there's a system that yeah. you know there are going to be clean dishes in the morning because I know my mom runs the dishwasher at night. Will you do the pastor work for me for a second? How does this play out for people in their spiritual life, married or single, old mm-hmm. or young? Yeah. What's, what is the rubber band that God has established for us? that can stretch? What's the safety with God? Because some people don't feel like he's very safe. And don't quote, please don't quote C.S. Lewis. He isn't safe, but he's good, because I think that line is so You don't like that. You mentioned that in Remember God, that you don't like that line. I I remember reading that. (laughs) I'm like, he's very safe. He may not be like easy to understand, but he is incredibly safe. So anyway. anyway. But people don't always feel that. So talk to me about that. How does that rubber band analogy work in our spiritual lives? Well, I think so many people view, and this is this is just the way we view Christianity for the most part. They view it as tran- a transaction. Mm-hmm. They view the cross as a transaction. But the cross was always supposed to be a relationship, a yeah. sign of relationship. If you go back to Genesis 12, it was a covenant. It was a familial covenant. That's the big idea. Yeah, That's always been the big idea of Scripture is family. And so first and foremost, you have to recognize that this, this journey with God, it's a relationship. Mm-hmm. So over anything else, it's a relationship. So what, what do relationships look like? They take on different forms and shapes in different seasons. But what's the consistent thing that we have to do in relationship? We have to show up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Showing up looks different in different seasons. Yeah. But we always show up. Yeah. So sometimes, like for me, with my walk with God, I have to have space, dedicated space for me and God. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that looks like me praying for a long time, me reading a lot of scripture, yeah. right? Like me having those holy moments or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other times it looks completely different. Looks like yeah. me going on a walk. Looks like me meditating on one or two verses. Yeah. Looks like me just going out and thanking God for his goodness and yeah. his faithfulness. But the thing is showing up every day, even if it's something small, showing up every day. And that's the consistency that that builds the relationship. Yeah. Right. Like it so it feels as, like the rubber band is the relationship. It is. Yeah. So like as a great. as a husband, right? Like there are seasons when certain things are required of me that aren't required of me in other seasons. Mm-hmm. And same thing as a father. As a father looking at my small children, like my 10-year-old needs different things from me than my three-year-old, but yeah. they all need me to show up yeah. as a dad. All of them. Yeah. All of my kids. So that's that's how I view yeah. our relationship with God. Yeah. Like show up. He's always showing up. He's always there. It might not feel like he's kind. Uh-huh. might not feel like he's close, but he is always close. Yeah. He's always there. And when we show up, we get to see those those special moments, those unique opportunities for connection, mm-hmm. which is what he's all about. Yeah. Julie, one of the questions I get a lot when I talk about Sabbath or when I talk about quiet times, which I hate the word quiet times, we've got to come up with a better like. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I, know. I When have, I mean, we've been friends uh, for 40 minutes. Have I ever been quiet? It just doesn't, <laughs> it does not work for my life. I'm like, that's the dumbest language. But anyway, for those two spiritual disciplines, moms always say, I cannot, I do not know how to do that. Mm-hmm. How have you been able, so if we're talking about the rubber band in that of, of safety with God is that it's a relationship and it can mm-hmm. stretch and pull in different ways. Sometimes my life, I have time every morning. It doesn't mean I get up early enough every morning. I have time every morning to yeah. sit and read and yeah. to journal. Your rubber band doesn't look like that. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about those two disciplines, particularly Sabbath and rest and time in the word, how that fits for a mama four. Absolutely. So we, um, I'll do Sabbath first because we just 
over the past four months actually have started doing a 24-hour Sabbath every day. Do you week. love it? Love it. It's the it. best. It's, it's so hard and it's so good. It's it is so, so good. Yeah. And what day of the week do y'all do? We do Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. Okay. Oh, because like I'm sorry, too. but well, parents of four children, like <laughs> yeah. church Sunday is no, not no. Sabbath right. for us. That's right. So we start with the big meal. And yeah. I love to cook. And yeah. the, the kids get in there. And it's kind of the only night we have dessert also. Oh, that's cute. What a great like, addition. <laughs> and they get a sparkly grape juice, which they call champagne. Oh, that's so cool. It's so much fun. Okay, we, will, you, will you stop, though, and tell me what made y'all invite Sabbath in? Uh, it's been a journey for sure. And we've done it at different seasons. But I took so a sabbatical uh, yeah. last year. And I came out of the sabbatical and I was like, we have got, we've got to do a better job resting yeah. as a family, teaching our kids to yeah. rest. And there making were a few this a books. Part of our life. Yeah, there were some different books like, that I've loved. John Mark Comer. Over the years. Yes. Um, I love The Sabbath. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever read that? Yeah. Yeah, by Abraham Michelle. Like, that's yeah. a book that I've read. And then The Rest of God, Mark Buchanan. Yeah. Have you read that one? Yes. Yeah. And so You're some speaking, of the- we, See, we were bored to be friends. <laughs> Thanks for flying here. <laughs> okay. I want to come back to your sabbatical. Yeah. Because I have a question about that, but keep going. So they okay. drink their champagne. They drink their champagne. <laughs> and we walk around the store and they're like, Mom, where's the champagne? And people, people look. I, like, oh, man. <laughs> I, I, when I get to have kids, I'm going to teach them that. We're drinking champagne. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> And they um, do no screens for those 24 hours. We don't do screens. We put our phones in a drawer. We play games. We read. I mean, it's so simple. Mm -hmm. Not easy, but so simple. That's right. So we have done that, which has been incredible. And then as far as... (laughs) And do y'all rotate? You can go take an hour and rest or read. Do y'all do something like that on that Sabbath for each other? It kind of happens naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Just depending on And all your people like can kind of handle themselves. I mean, the three-year-old not as much, but everybody else. It's not like you're changing diapers. The older ones handle the smaller ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So (laughs) y'all get to read. You get to, yeah. Yes. And we've just established that with them. Like, this is what we do on Sabbath. Yeah. I mean, they, you wouldn't believe the way that they try to get screen time in. Yeah. Oh. Mom. Can I uh, Google a Bible verse? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're like, no. It's yeah. Like, it's 24 hours. Yeah. And then with quiet time, or, or, uh, I feel like we should come we, up we with really the name right now. We really need to come up with the name Bam. Bam moments. There you go. Sure. <laughs> that sure. sounds totally different. No, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> well done. Now, for me, the mornings I just call it when I'm reading. Yeah. I'm just yeah. like, yeah. I'm just reading. Yeah. I don't need to know everything. So we, again, like, I have to go back to our systems yeah. that we've established with our kids. Like they have an alarm in their – it's like a sound machine that I have an app that goes to it. Yeah. So at 7, birds tweet. And yeah. they know that's when they're allowed to come out of their rooms. Great. Like we have had to say like you cannot come out of your room. Yes, I have so many friends who have that alarm clock that turns green. Yes. It tells them when the kids can leave. Yes. It's brilliant. And it's – you have to set up boundaries with your children mm-hmm. from day one. Yeah. I mean, people would look at us with our two-week-old. Like, they're not going to sleep in our room. Yeah. Like, that's our room. Yeah, yeah. And they'll they'll be fine. Like, right. we can hear them. We're close enough to them. Right. Anyway, so- We it, have eight pieces of technology telling us what they're doing. It'll yes, be fine. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So we set up these boundaries with our kids. Like, listen, I'll be a better mom for you if I'm able to have this time in the morning. Sure. And we do try to wake up around 5.30. Yeah. And so that's an hour and a half yeah. where it really is a slow coffee, oh, yeah. Bible. Yeah. I need slow mornings. He Me usually too. heads to the gym, which yeah. is great. I'm like, get out of my yeah, yeah, yeah. I, So I have my time at night. She has her time <laughs> in the morning. Okay. Yeah. So we run interference for each other. Yeah, that's brilliant. So for the, for the most part, the kids are asleep, though. But every once in a while, they'll get up and run upstairs. And I'm yeah. like, 
Julie. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, nighttime. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say for moms with younger children, because when my sleep was getting interrupted, yeah. I wasn't waking up at 530. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. until my that, kids yeah. were on a regular sleep schedule. Yeah. So when that was the situation, and I, I remember sitting in the middle of my living room, my kids were, I probably had like three toddlers all around me, my Bible's open in front of me, and I just felt Holy Spirit, like, I'm with you even in this. Yeah. Like, meet me and I'll meet you. Yeah. Because I do think we put these rules around quiet time. Yep. It has to be early in the morning. It has to be only me. It has to be silent or worship me. All yeah. of these things. And God's like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But if not, you know, we can make it work. Yeah. I'm flexible. Yeah. And toddler life isn't the rest of your life. No. It. You will eventually, to all our mom and dad friends who have tinies, yeah. Eventually, we get where you are, yeah. where they are self-sustaining humans mm-hmm. who can read and who put themselves to bed and who sleep all night long, and yeah. that is coming. Yeah, but yeah. stay consistent even when it's hard, or else your kids will be teenagers, and you're like, oh, yeah, quiet time is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. right. Like, that's good. You show up. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. Hey, friend, just interrupted this conversation with Addison and Julie to tell you about our friends over at Stamps.com. Okay, postage rates have gone up again, but thankfully Stamps.com eases the pain with the big discounts off post office retail rates. With Stamps.com, you save five cents off of every first class stamp and up to 40% off shipping rates. That kind of savings really adds up, especially for small businesses like me and maybe like you. And stamps.com is completely online, which saves you time. No more inconvenient trips to the post office. So whether you're a small office sending invoices or an online seller shipping out products like us with our Tuesday Unit Cute Tumblers or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, stamps.com can handle it all with ease. So the way it works is you just use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. And once your mail is ready, you just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It's seriously that simple. It's a no-brainer. Save your time and your money. And it's no wonder over 700,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com. So right now, my friends get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Sounds Fun. One word, Sounds Fun. That's Stamps.com, enter Sounds Fun. Okay, talk a minute about your sabbatical. What made you go on a sabbatical? I, I needed to. It was about six months before the sabbatical. I was feeling completely burned out. And What does that look like? Like on a Tuesday, what does burned out look like? You're just mad? It means, it means you don't want to do anything. Yeah. You just feel like everything is shutting down. All mm-hmm. my systems were shutting down. Yeah. And I remember... Um, you call, mean physically as well like as Everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I took the day off. And I went, I went to Garden of the Gods, a beautiful area yeah. in Colorado Springs. I went there and I just prayed for four hours and, and just was alone with God. And then God told me, like, it was very clear. He's like, look, I'll sustain you for the next five, six months, but you need to agree that you're going to take a sabbatical. Wow. Because my pattern had been like, I get to this point and then I do something to fix it and then I can last and then a little power longer through. and power through. Yep. And he's like, but you can't, you just can't do that. With what I have for you in 2020, like you just, you will not be able to do that. Yeah. And so it was an act of faith. Like I had never done it before. There was no precedent for it in my organization. No one had ever done that before. Yeah. 
and I'm the COO. So that was, you know, that was different. That yeah. was new. And your parents are the bosses. <laughs> so that's challenging. We've never taken a sabbatical. We've been doing this for 30 that's plus right. years. I mean, that's that's, right. that's not what they said, but that was the sure, narrative sure, that's sure. in my head. Yes, right? yes, yes. And and I did it. And man, Annie, like God met me in some profound ways. What did it look like? Time. So you just didn't work for how long? How long did you I didn't sabbatical? work for five weeks. Okay. Five weeks. That's so attainable. I thought you were going to be like, so for eight yeah, so months. F- exactly. Like, so I five- can't do that, but five weeks. <laughs> five weeks. Yeah. I took my son on a trip for his 10th birthday. Oh, that's cool. Just the two of us. Yeah. It was absolutely amazing. Um, I spent five days by myself, completely by myself in oh, solitude. Wow. Yeah. And God met me there. And I actually, it's a long story, but I got to connect with someone who was basically dying from cancer, a complete mm. stranger. And God aligned our lives. And with an hour and a half of meeting, like he's weeping, bawling, I'm praying over him. Wow. And I went on those five days. I was like, God, I, I'm going to fast. I'm yeah. going to fast. And I hate fasting. Yeah. Like I hate fasting. Yep. And God told me, no, don't fast. And then after I met this man, God was like, I want you to fast for him. Mm. And it was just Gosh. moments like that, that it was like, okay, okay, God, I see you yeah. working on this. And, and the big thing for me, Annie, during that time is I learned I'm so bad at living in the present. Mm. I, I live in the future. Yeah. Like I'm someone who lives in the future. And God showed me that all meaning happens in the present. Yeah. And he actually showed me that my desire to live in the future is actually a form of idolatry because only God gets to live in the past, present, and future. So I was unmaking myself by wanting to yeah. live in the future because yeah. idolatry is the thing that unmakes us because we look to something other than God. It can be ourselves. It can be this world to sustain us. And anytime we look to something outside of God to sustain us, we unmake ourselves. We become less human. And I was seeing that in my life. I felt like mm. things were just falling apart. Yeah. And when we get worship wrong, we get everything wrong. And that's why I, I say this. I mean, that, the quotes people are putting on the internet right now. I just we, can't. I can't even know <laughs> how many times you're getting quoted today. It's, <laughs> it's going to blow. I, I apologize for what's about to happen to your Twitter because we're about to quote you 9,000 times. This oh. is so good. <laughs> I, uh, something that I, I say is that God became a man because we were incapable of worshiping anything else. Oh Lord, yes. And if you really if Gracious. like if you really think about that, like yeah. why God did what he did, mm-hmm. crossing the divide between his div- his divinity and our humanity mm-hmm. by becoming the bridge. Yeah. That's why Jesus said if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah. So he showed us something familiar, something that we were quote unquote comfortable with. Right. But then he pointed us beyond him. Right. Towards something that was other, towards something right. that was more beautiful, more comprehensive, more meaningful. But we it, couldn't have done it. But we, we couldn't, couldn't have, have done there. it. We couldn't You're have got right. it without him. I'm spending this year reading the, through the Gospels every month. I'm doing a different loop, a different version every month okay. for the whole year. That's awesome. So I finished January and we'll start February. But one of the things, what I'm trying to do is every month I've decided I'm going to write one sentence about Jesus that I didn't know before I read that version. Because I think what can sometimes happen with the Bible reading is we forget that Jesus was always revealing God to us. Yes. And so what we learn about Jesus reveals what we don't know about God. Yes. And so for January, my mind was like, Jesus is always paying attention. He just is always, every time you see him in the Gospels, he's he knows what that guy's thinking. And he sees that person. He's just always paying That's attention. So good. Right? And so I'm like, what you're saying to me is resonating so clearly because I didn't, I don't think I realized that God had to become a man so that I could even worship God for being God. Wow. But God's always paying attention because Jesus always paid attention. He is. Do y'all know the rules about the podcast? Did Sherry tell you the rules? No. No. Well, here are the rules. This is why you're here. <laughs> there are only two Types of guests I have. Okay. People that I'm already friends with, which is not y'all, sadly, or people that I want to be friends with. Those wow. were the only rules. And when so when I saw your book, it wasn't even your name. 
though I adore your parents, it wasn't even your name. When I saw what your book was about, I was like, my man, I love this idea <laughs> so much. When you take a word out of the Bible yeah. and you say, because my friends listening know that I talk about Blue Letter Bible, the app, all the time. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, when I found that that's the way it was, grace was translated there yeah. and there, what? Yeah. And so that's what you've done with the word saints. The word Christian is like barely in the Bible, but the word saints is everywhere. Everywhere. Right? Over 60 times. The word Christian is used only three times. So what what was happening in your real life that made you, because I would have never been like, you know what book I should write next <laughs> is how many times saints is in the Bible. Yeah. So <laughs> what even made this matter to you? Any, I didn't have anyone knocking on my door being like, hey, please write a book. Right. So I wasn't like, hey, <laughs> I need to write a book. What should I write a book on? Is this on? your first one? It is. It's okay. my first book. Okay. And a hardback. Okay. <laughs> Coming out of the of the gate. Okay. So why so, this one? So I've I've grown up a Christian my whole life. Okay. I have a lot of friends who are now no longer quote unquote Christians. Mm-hmm. They're disillusioned with the idea of Christianity. Mm-hmm. If I could be honest, Andy, I haven't liked calling myself a Christian for more than twenty years. Yeah, really. I haven't. Now, here's the thing. Like, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Sure. I love Jesus. I believe he's the one person who got this whole humanity thing right. <laughs> right. I want to follow in his footsteps. I yeah. want to learn his ways. But the stereotypes, the stigmas, the cultural yeah. idea of what it's it is to a be miss. a Christian. Yeah. It's terrible. We were at this lunch yesterday. Have y'all been in town here. for a while? No, uh, <laughs> we were here yesterday and the day before. Okay. We flew in. We were at lunch yesterday. I'm not going to say the name of the restaurant or the manager's <laughs> name, and you'll understand why in a second. But we got we got to talking with the manager. He yeah. came and was just talking at our table, and he asked what I was doing in town, and I told him, and I was telling him about this book. And, and he's like, man, that sounds so interesting, because he grew up in a Christian home, but yeah. really doesn't want anything to do with faith. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, when it's late at night, and I've drank a lot, and I've smoked a couple joints, he's like, this is where I go. Like, these are the questions that I ask. Yeah. And, Annie, the truth is, is, as it says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, eternity was written on our hearts. That's it. There's an expansiveness inside of every Everybody. single one That's of right. us that cannot be denied. Yeah. And so much of our efforts today to convince people that Jesus is the way, that Christianity is the way, is head-to-head. Mm-hmm. We're trying to convince them of something. But there's an a priori understanding. It's deep. It's woven into the fabric. It means something that you know without <laughs> this learning life? it. Julie, okay. <laughs> no, Dictionary.com. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, it's it's such a it's such a cool word. It doesn't really have a good translation. Um, it's a Latin concept, but what it means is it means something that you know without learning it. Ah, uh, okay. So it's like Great. woven into who you are. Got it. And I believe we all have that. Like mm-hmm. we know deep down in the depths of us that yeah. we were created for intimacy with God. Yeah. We know it. And that's why I think so many people are getting disillusioned with the idea of faith. Yeah. That's being American. nicely American yeah. faith. Yeah. That's being nicely served up to them. Right. It's too small for the largeness within them. Ooh. And I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying that the gospel itself is too small. I'm not saying God's too small. No, it's this thing. It's this thing, yeah. this caricature of Christ. Yep. Yep. This caricature of what it means to follow him yep. that's being served up and saying, like, hey, here's the meaning that you crave. Mm-hmm. Here's the purpose that you crave. Mm-hmm. Here's the context that you're looking to live your life in. It's yeah. just too small. Yeah. And people are figuring it out right. and they're looking elsewhere. Um, when we aren't recording, will you tell me the restaurant so I can be friends with that guy? Absolutely. Okay. We just, we'll just <laughs> I gave him a, I gave him a copy of okay, the book. Okay, good, good. And he was, because we had a copy with us and he was so excited to read yeah, it. Yeah, good. Yeah, it'll just be, you know, I'll just follow up. Yeah, I'll no, just be yeah, his friend. Yeah, That's absolutely. All. You don't have to do, I, I say a lot, if people will fall in love with the people of God, they'll fall in love with God. Absolutely. So if we can, if I can say, hit friends with him. Great. So what you did in this book that I love is you looked up that word and then yes. you just kind of went through and went, 
Okay, so if we're not Christians, which we are Christians. We are Christians. If if the bigger word, the truer word, is that we're saints, what does that actually mean? So, And I wouldn't even say that it's bigger or truer necessarily. I would just say it's lost. Uh, hold it's, on. It says for Juliana, and I've been calling you Julie. No, I, no, I call her Julie, too. Did you too. say Julie to me when I, when you walked in? I did. So Okay, I was about to be like, <laughs> hold <Julie>. on. <laughs> have you been letting me call you the wrong name this whole show? I, I'm uh, not particular. I'd have been so sad no. and you could call super me mom, embarrassed. And I'd be like, yeah. We just started over from the very beginning. Okay, sorry. So, Go ahead. So it's not, it's not that Christian's a bad identifier. It's just saints has been lost. It's been reserved yeah. to this small group of people. Right. It's been used to feed the elitism that's so ugly yeah. in religion. Yeah. Right. But think about how it's used in scripture, mainly by Paul. And what is he doing? He's writing to the church in Corinth and he's yeah. saying to the saints in Corinth, yeah. to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Philippi, to the saints in Rome. So it was a proclamation of identity that reshapes their destiny. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, you are a saint, right. and because you are a saint, this is what it means for you. This is what it means for your world. And this was a time when they were subverting cultural norms. Yeah, They were turning the world upside down. They were reconciling groups that didn't belong together. And this was the message of the cross. This it, we, we have sanitized the message of the cross, yeah. but if you look at the book of Acts— after the resurrection, Jesus comes and he does one thing. He preaches the kingdom of God. Yeah. And his disciples turn around. They're like, hey, when are you going to make this about our ethnicity, our comfort zone, our agenda, our plans, what we thought you were going to do? And he's like, no, no, no. Yeah. You don't get it. This is about the marginalized. Mm-hmm. This is about the corners of the earth, all four corners of the earth. This message is going out and you are going to be my ambassadors. Yeah. You are going to show that there, there is nothing outside of the reach of my compassion and my plans for, for restoration, redemption, reconciliation. And saints capture and practice and participate in the mystery of the final day. Mm-hmm. The day when the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. They yeah. see their world through that lens. And because they have this vision of what it could look like, of what it could be, they take that vision and they say, what does this mean for me today? Yeah. So we have these ideas of impact. They're grandiose, they're lofty, they're abstract, and they keep us from doing things that matter. Right. They keep us from finding <laughs> right. meaning in the moment, right. meaning in the mundane, but that's where life happens. Right. That's where relationship happens. And if you look at the kingdom of God, which is Jesus's favorite subject, you're going through yeah. the gospels, you'll yeah. see he talked about the kingdom of God more than anything else. Uh-huh. That was his favorite thing to talk yeah. about. What is the kingdom of God? It's seeing this world the way God sees it, which mm-hmm. starts with us seeing God the way he actually is. That's why Jesus came and did yeah. what he did. Yeah. So what? So we can just feel good about ourselves? So we can have condemnation-free living? So we can go to heaven one day? Yes, that's a part of it. Sure. But the bigger idea so that we can see this world the way he sees it. Mm-hmm. That's Paul's big point in 2 Corinthians. Like, you are God's ambassadors. Yeah. God is making his appeal through you. Yeah. And we've made this so small. We've made it about ourselves. Mm-hmm. We've made it about our comfort zones. And God's saying, no, the good life that you crave, the life that you're looking for at the altars of sex, stuff, and status, it's actually found in this journey of becoming. Yeah. It's actually found in this journey of becoming a saint. Right. And we're all called to be a saint. I love that the subtitle says that, becoming more than Christians, because it's becoming, which is active, active. in the process, yes. as we yes. talked about. But it's more than. It is. Yeah. And this is how God works. God sees us as we are now, and mm-hmm. he sees us as we will be. Yeah. And he speaks to us everywhere along that spectrum. Right. So we have this um, like binary either or way of thinking. Yeah. But God, he's like, no, I'm I'm not in denial about who you are right now, mm-hmm. but I also mm-hmm. see who you're going to become. Right. And I'm going to speak prophetically. And by speaking prophetically, I'm going to merge the worlds of what is and what will be. I'm going to lead you by my faith, hope, and love. I'm going to lead you into everything that I see in you that you can't see in yourself yeah. yet. Julie, how does this idea 
in your house, the idea, the saints idea play out like at the pool with the neighbors and like in the grocery store and in the carpool line. Like, what is this? I, this conversation and what the book says kind of gets you excited to yes. Yeah. But show me, tell me what a yes looks like. Yeah. It, well, and as he was writing, it was about a two year writing process and he would show me different things and that's what I would feel. Yeah. I would feel anger is not the right word, but this um, frustration Mm. where I was like, God, I believe this. Yeah. This is speaking to the depths of who I am. Right. The a priori. <laughs> yeah, that's right. a girl. He just used those words. <laughs> He's all, that, that wasn't right. Oh, that was perfect. <laughs> that was perfect. It sounded great to me, but I've heard the word twice. Ever. And, but those parts, I was like, this is truth and it's resonating as truth, but I need yeah. to see it, God. Yeah. yeah. I need to see these I, I want this to be our life. Yes. We're not going to be people who write books that we don't live. Yeah. And so it was very much, and and I wanted it to be big. I wanted it to be like, I'm just healing people, like walking down the street, <laughs> pointing right. at That's them, right. That's right. Or words of knowledge. Yeah, yeah, I went yeah. after that hardcore for a while, which I still believe it's <laughs> sure. coming. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My motivation might have been off. So. It was in the small things. Yeah. yeah. I went through a season where God just completely changed my lens uh-huh. on how I was seeing success, how I was seeing relationships, the way that I was allowing so much idolatry to just sneak in and mm. the distraction, Annie. Yeah. I think if we can aim to be less distracted in this world, like if you have children or don't have children, yeah. spouse or don't have spouse, be less distracted. Mm-hmm. It is having eyes to see yeah. things for what they actually are and then engaging with it, yeah. being led and engaging with it, whatever that means. Right. I was in Staples two weeks ago and I was getting Like that, the office store. The, the office store. <laughs> getting that TSA. Yeah, that, that I should have probably said that. Getting that TSA pre-check. Yeah, done, come right? on. Yeah, yeah. Thank God. It's and the best. Dear everyone, if you ride a plane more than twice- you need want it. TSA you need it. Although that yeah. line is starting to get really long because yeah, everyone's long figuring too, that out. We don't have clear. Yeah. So which clear is like the top that's, level that's of like the next a step. personal escort to your plane okay. practically. I'm not, and we don't have that in national service. I'm not service. there yet, but TSA. maybe maybe one day. Yeah. But I was in Staples. I was in that cubicle, like in the middle of the store, getting the TSA thing done. And I sat down and, and the lady who's doing the interview, she asked me, like, what do you do? And I told her what I did. And yeah. she just looked at me and she goes, man, that's so cool. You actually get to do something that matters. I just work at Staples. Oh, wow. And this is what came out of my mouth, Annie. I didn't realize it came out of my mouth until after it was out of my mouth. Yeah. I said, that's the great lie of human existence. <laughs> she was like, yo. <laughs> Pump the brain. I, I was like, true. And You're she right. just And she just sat there like bug-eyed and looked yeah. at me. And I'm like, I have no idea who this is. Like, I don't know yeah, what her yeah, background yeah. is. Yeah. I don't know what that means to her. I'm like, i got to explain what I mean. And yeah. I told her. And I said, look, like what you do day in and day out, you are serving people. You are interacting with people. Yeah. And I talked to her about yeah. the significance of people yeah. and how God is all about people. And everything that he's ever done is about people, about right. relationship. And we right. talked about that. And then she just sat there. She didn't say a word. Yeah. She just sat there for like 10 seconds. It felt like 10 minutes. I'm because sure. I'm like, okay, where do, we, <laughs> where do we go from here? And then she just looked at me. She said, thank you. That made my week. Mm-hmm. And so it is. It's it's in the everyday. It's like for me, there's there's a couple families on our street who have some rough home dynamics. Yeah. And their kids like would not talk to me because like, I'm an adult, right. right? And I'm an authority figure. Like would not talk to me. 
when I'd drive down the road, like I'd wave at them. Yeah. They wouldn't like they wouldn't wave back. They wouldn't recognize me. And then now it's at the point where they come to my house. They're like eight, nine, ten years old, and yeah. they knock on the door like, "Hey, can can Asher play? No, yeah. Asher's not here. You can't play. Can Addison play? Can Mr. <laughs> Addison play with us?" And that's, that's like so sweet. that's where that's where that's, like, that's where God has us. Yes. He has us on that street. He has us around those people. Yeah. Right. He has us shopping at certain places. He has us going to certain gyms. Like, like that's the life that we're called to lead. Like yes. we're all called to a certain world. Yep. And if you start there, you're gonna see meaning, you're gonna see impact in that world. Yeah. Like we we make really this good. so complicated. Like right. look at Jesus again. Let's go back. You're going through the gospels. Yeah. Look at how like Jesus him. did it. Almost seemed like he walked around aimlessly. Yeah. Like he's going one direction and then a distraction comes up and yeah. he helps this person, helps that person. It's like, what is he actually doing? If you map out his journeys, it's actually quite humorous to yeah. see the way he moved around. Yeah. And why? Like he's just doing everyday life. He literally went right. to the places where people got their bread. He spent time in the fields. Mm-hmm. The kings, the lofty people, they were in their palaces. Yeah. Jesus was out with the people. That's right. where real life happens. Yes. And that's where the life of a saint happens because to become a saint is to become profoundly human. Yeah. It's not to lose touch with humanity. It's to become profoundly human. So the saints are not the people with halos on their head or in stained glass windows who lived a good life and they were canonized by the powers that be. Saints are people who wake up, wake up in this life now instead of waiting till the next. Yeah. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, I think it's 34. He's like, wake up. I think it's 34. I've got this whole thing memorized. (laughs) Wake up. Yeah. He's like, wake up. He's describing resurrection life. He's describing the life of the age to come. He's describing what it means to be fully alive. Yeah. And he's saying, wake up. And that's what we need. Like, we need to wake up to the beauty, to the largeness, to the mystery of life. And if we do so, we're going to see that this is everything that we were created to know. Yeah. You're right. That's very good. Well done. You're good at talking about this. Whatever this is, this whole thing, it's it's very good. It's my passion. Yeah. It's not for me. As I said, like it's not like I had a publisher being like, hey, I want you to write a book. In fact, I didn't want to write a book. I ran from anything that smelt like what my parents did. Yeah. I didn't want to do it. Right. And God told me, He's like, No, you will write this book. This is what it will do for your generation. Yeah. And you and you you need to say yes to me. And he said it very lovingly, but it was also very firm. Yeah. Like you're going to do this. Yeah. And I was like, Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, and that is how we make our next decision. <laughs> it's like, all right, yeah. let's do this. Okay. Something y'all both said that my friends listening love to talk about is hearing God because mm-hmm. it's so different for everybody. You're a one, you're a four. Will you both talk about how you hear God? Because there have been people on the show who tell us like audible, yeah. <laughs> which is very rare. And there are people on the show who go, I don't think he talks to me. I think he just is faithful and always there Mm -hmm. and everything in the middle. So tell me, whoever wants to go first, what is it like to hear God? They're just pointing at each other. (laughs) Dear listener, they're just pointing at each other. You want me to go first? Okay, I'll go first. For me, it's it's multiple things. Like I've never heard a booming voice of God in my life. But you hear him. You've said like four times, the Lord told me this. Oh, very, very confidently. A couple of things. When I'm reading scripture. Yep. There's like Good. I will be reading it and it will jump out at me like You're I can't like, even. Was that there? I can't Last even time I passed the chapter, I'm like, yeah. whoa! I know. And so I have one of those journaling Bibles, and yeah. so I get to write. I like I write all over the place in my Bible. Yeah. And it's very unwon of me to do yeah, that because like that, it looks though. a little chaotic. But right. I do use a ruler to keep my line straight. You're lying to me. I do. You use a ruler. <laughs> That's my wife. I do. <laughs> I do travel. They still make rulers. I travel. It's actually an old credit it's, card. It's an old credit card. Oh. I'm like, is that safe? <laughs> oh, it's bad. It's it's real. And so you draw the lines draw, and then you write on so them. I draw. It's so straight. And I travel with a box with will my you, Bible when in the box. When this show comes out, 
You travel with your Bible with, with in a, a box. With a Bible in a box with all oh, of my God, pens so and much. rulers and oh. everything inside of the box. <laughs> and I just pull it out, open it up. I've got it all right there. Will you take a picture for us? I will, will take you a show picture. the internet will, and I'll share it because the internet would you. love to see this. It's, yes. Yes. Okay, continue so, on. So that's that's huge for me. So scripture. And it's it's, a, it's how we know his voice too. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a knowing. Yes. It's like, whoa. And you can't describe it. Yeah. It doesn't always make sense, but yeah. it, it is a knowing. Another thing is when I am in just meditating, right? So I'm just spending time with him. Yeah. There is this deep, like I, I don't know how to describe, but a deep connection where I'm almost aware of a presence that's around me that I can't yeah. see. Yeah. And it's it's like I feel him next to me. I feel yes. God's spirit next to me. And in those moments, I've learned to just be really quiet and listen. And he speaks things tenderly straight into my heart. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, I got to write that down. Yep. And I start writing it down. Yeah. So those are the two things for me. And then do you usually me. check that stuff with Julie or with we your share. friends? Or, oh, yeah. And for, go like, I think the Lord is saying this. For me, Annie, like, I love scripture. Like yeah. I'm obsessed with scripture. Yeah. So for me, it's conversations with Julie and it's scripture. Like yeah. I want to go to scripture. So if I if I get something, like I want to go back to scripture. Mm-hmm. And what I love about scripture and just my journey with it, we have this idea of what scripture is. Mm-hmm. But the more you engage with Scripture, the more you realize how robust Scripture is. Like passages that you thought were limited and limiting, all of a sudden you see them in a new light. You're like, oh, wow. Yeah. That's what you're asking me to do. That's what you're inviting me to be a part of. Right. So I would say those are the two things. And obviously, Julie. Yeah. Julie over here. Yes. I feel like the Holy Spirit, when he can't get to me, goes (laughs) through Julie. And it's like, this is what you need to do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think testing... Testing things matters so much. I mean, to be honest, I thought I heard the Lord really clearly about something in October, and I was wrong. Mm. And so, but I had written in my journal, and I had told a couple of friends, and then we just watched, and it played out yeah. different. Yeah. And and it's and I was like, fine, that is going to happen to all of us. Where you're like, it will. I think. I mean, he's invisible. Well, we yeah. miss it in every relationship. Uh, to be real, right? right? Every yes. relationship, yes. you miss it sometimes. You miss signs. You misunderstand yeah. words. So yeah. why would this one be any different? Yeah, that's right. So that's why I love that you have Julie and other people that you yes. run things through There's, as well. And I would say keep that group small. Yeah, like yeah, people yeah. that you really trust. Like I have three people yeah. outside of Julie that I would share something that intimate with. Yes. But it is important to have those people. Yeah, because it, it, I'm the same because I'm like, some of this is weird. And I don't want everybody knowing I hear weird stuff. I just want a couple of people who will not let me either not let me let it go yeah. or not let me punish myself if I'm wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And just go like, yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah. Didn't happen. So here we go. We'll yeah, try let's, again. Let's move on. Let's, let's go to the next thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Julie, what's it like for you to hear the Lord? Well, it's way less methodical. Yeah, yeah. You don't have your Bible in a box. I don't know a friend who travels with their Bible in a box. That is so brilliant. I have it, I in, like my, I have it in my car. Oh, I'm going to see it today. That is happening. <laughs> no, I just randomly grab a Bible. And I, scripture has been huge. Like you said, you'll yeah. be going through and something just jumps. And then yeah. I love to, to look up this specific word, or if it's something yeah. recently, it was a tree. Yeah. And it was, I went in, just dug deep. Into what tree like, was it? Do you remember? Uh, it was kind? a myrtle tree. Girl, don't, don't <laughs> even talk about myrtle. People are screaming in their cars. You do not know how much we talk about the myrtle tree around oh here. Oh my gosh. Now That's I really want to know. I'm going to be that we're listening to yes, all yes. the old podcasts. Girl, I bought myrtle oil. I'm like next level about myrtle, but go <laughs> oh ahead. Yeah, I know. You nailed it. You couldn't have gone any better on Hilarious. the tree you picked. And then for me, Annie, this idea of God as a weaver, Mm. where he, I just look at the strings of my life and everyone's life and the way 
I imagine him working real quickly and intricately. Um, have you ever seen those Asian guys who make ramen? Yes. Fresh? Yes. That, that's God, that's God yeah. um, in a sense, where he's just moving real quick and moving it all. So I see, I just, I want to flow. Like for me, it's just flowing and not being afraid, like you said, when I get it wrong. Yes. Like he will even take the wrong and weave it into the beautiful That's picture. That's right. That is which right. Which is only God. Mm-hmm. Like I think developing that trust within me yeah. where I can make wrong choices. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not willfully in disobedience. That's right. That's right. I'm not so afraid, though, of making wrong choices. Yeah. That's right. Knowing God's going to use it. And he'll it. fix it. Yeah. He will. We, we say a lot around here that that if you try, mm-hmm. if you try to hear him, whether he was planning on that right then or not, he'll show up. Yeah. He's so, we barely step toward him before he's running toward us if he's not already running. You know, yeah. Jesus was waiting at the well for yeah. the woman at the well. Yes, you know? he was. And so it, it is, it is so much easier to connect with God. And also we're very human and we're going to miss it sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I think hearing him is the hope I have for but hearing him through scripture is number one for me as well. Well, what's the ultimate promise? First Corinthians 13, the big love chapter. Mm-hmm. What is it? That we will know him as we are known. Yeah. Like it's the thing we're most terrified of, but it's also the thing that thrills us more than anything yeah. else, that promise. Yeah, that's right. Hey, I would love for y'all to give some dating advice, but can we do that on YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just want a little dating advice, but we'll do it on YouTube. We'll save it. And so people can go watch that. Uh, the last question we always ask. Addison, for starters, no, I'm going to stop first. Well, is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? Your book is awesome. Thank you. I'm so glad you decided to come here, and I'm so <laughs> glad you brought your wife. What a what a double blessing, Thank as you. Mark Batterson says. Huge honor being here. Thank well, you. I just am so grateful for your wisdom and your kindness and your our newfound friendship, and that you brought your wife too. Um, so I'm really really grateful. Thank you, Annie. Okay, the last question we always ask because the show is called "That Sounds Fun." Tell me what y'all do for fun. Actually, our date nights have been kind of lame recently. <laughs> but you're having them, which preach that. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. We're having them consistently with yeah. the hope that they'll get more exciting. Yeah. I love being outside. Okay. Hiking, nature. Colorado Springs is oh, it's yeah, perfect beautiful. for that. So prime yeah. for it. And if I can leave my phone behind, it's like yeah. major plus points. Yeah. Time goes slower Yeah, when you're in nature. I think so. And I think that's a gift. Mm-hmm. So I do. I love being in nature. And do y'all live close enough that you can, like, walk to a hike, or do you have to, like, drive somewhere and hike? It's pretty suburban where we live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have to, yeah, drive. But we're, there are, we're there are some trails. We're hoping maybe that'll change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> we're talking about that You're now. like, we just bought Pikes Peak. We're going to be moving <laughs> yeah. there. So. Just want to come visit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're moving into the Broadmoor. It's beautiful. Um, tell me what you do for fun, Addison. I love playing with my kids. Yeah. Like, I, I love playing outside with the kids, running around, just playing different sports, doing yeah. stuff with the kids. Yeah. It's really, really the thing that for me, like I, I love being a dad. He like, genuinely like, needs that. Like, yeah. I it's, believe you. It's something that I looked forward to my whole life, and I love being a dad. Yeah. And so playing with my kids, probably that's that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Awesome. And he'll be like alone. He'll be like, come play with us. I'm like, that's not, that's not fun for me. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. Like, That's fun for you. <laughs> Hopefully I'd like to get there. But it's it's amazed me and made me so thankful. Like I have a husband who loves playing with his yeah, children. Yeah. Like that's genuinely. Right. Yeah. And kids pick up. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it, like, they'll be like, Mom, come play. And I'm like, Yeah. Yeah. What's the game? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they'll be like, Just go. <laughs> Just go. Where's when is that? Get home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I love We're it. Not into it. I love it. Um, well, y'all come back anytime. Oh, we would love to you, have honey. you. 
I told y'all, they were just a pair. They're just a pair to be had. He is amazing. She's amazing. We needed them both. If you have not picked up a copy of Saints, I mean, after listening to him talk about it, how do you resist? If you haven't grabbed a copy of Saints, make sure you do that today. What a great gift to add to your Easter baskets for the people in your life, especially I'm thinking of like, if you have college kids coming home or if you have a high school or a guy or a girl, what a great book to toss into their Easter basket or to give as a gift around graduation. And make sure you give Addison and Julia follow on Instagram. Tell them thanks so much for being on the show. And I did get a video and some pictures of his Bible. Y'all aren't even ready. Make sure you head to my Instagram and see it today. And also, don't forget, when people are in the studio with us, we're doing a YouTube video with them afterwards. So the link is here in the show notes. It's also in my social media. It's youtube.com, Annie F. Downs, T-S-F. That sounds fun. Annie F. Downs, T-S-F. That's how you can find all of our YouTube videos. And y'all are going to love this one with Addison and Julie. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out and do something that sounds fun to you. And I will do the same. We'll see y'all on Monday.